Today's episode is brought to you by Capital One Spark Business. Whether it's your first day at the new headquarters or another day getting payroll out by the first, Capital One works seamlessly as your partner, credit card provider, and business bank. Hi, everyone. It's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest, I had the pleasure of doing a live podcast with in Phoenix, Arizona, Ann Malum, the founder of Solid Core. She's dynamic, she's energetic. Uh, I have hopes that my zero pack maybe could one day be a two pack in my abs. And we talk about what inspired her journey, what's next for her. So take a listen. I'm thrilled to be with Anne um, and have a conversation. For those of you who don't know, I launched a podcast last year. We were doing these amazing talks in my store. The fire code was 72. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to just get more women to hear these stories of incredible women. So launched the podcast. We've had everyone from Katie Couric to uh, and Fullenweider from Marie Claire to, you know, other inspiring women in the hopes that you get a little boost along your day or you get some great inspiration. So um, I'm thrilled to welcome you to the live podcast. And Mal, I'm the founder of Solid Core. So for those of the women, I guess, will too know what Solid Core is. Um, what is Solid Core? Yes, yeah, so Solid Core is 50 minutes of intensified Pilates. The people who are attracted to this workout because it's so challenging and hard are like just as badass in the studio as they are outside the studio. And we always make this statement that you'll hear from our coaches of if you're not going to work for it in here, you're not going to work for it out there. So really challenging people to show up for themselves in those 50 minutes that they're spending with us. So I'd love to hear a little bit of the backstory. Um, sure. I need solid core in my life bad because my daughter still thinks I'm pregnant. She thinks I'm pregnant all the time. <laughs> and she will let me know. She's five. Um, so I'd love to hear, like, how did you discover the method you developed mm-hmm. and what sort of inspired you to, to launch it? Yeah, so I, I think, like, probably most women, if you guys want to be vulnerable with me, like, how many of you have had body issues, food issues? Yeah, so I threw up my food for 10, 12 years, on and off, uh, and it got really bad in my 20s. And it's like, looking in the mirror, like, I can't believe you're doing this. This is so ridiculous. You're not doing this today. And then like that night, like there I would go again. And also working out as many hours as I could find in the day, eating tofu and egg whites and like lying to my parents and friends of like why I couldn't go to dinners, why I couldn't come home for Thanksgiving. It was just like all consuming. And also felt that how much time I was spending working out and thinking about my body. I'm like, why doesn't it look better than it does? And so I was kind of just super frustrated, and um, I took this Pilates class in Los Angeles when I was there for work, and I kind of went in with a little bit of an ego because I'm a marathoner, and I work out all the time, and I got my butt kicked. It was so hard, and it was so hard in like places that I think as women we try to tone our abs, our obliques, you know, our, our legs, our body. I just like mentioned all of our body parts, but, you know, like... <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I kept doing it, and I finally started to see my body evolve in ways that I'm like, that's how my body should look for how much I care about it and how much I want it to look. My food issues sort of went away. So when I was going through all this sort of love of Pilates, I was trying to figure out what was next for me after the nonprofit. And I was like, I got to build a business around this because I know there's women out there who are just as frustrated as I am with their, with their bodies and they don't have a workout that's working and they don't have a community that's really sort of supporting them. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So lots of people have that idea and then they launch a studio, right? Mm-hmm. And they're happy with that. How did you know how to not only launch one studio, but you have over 50 now? Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I know you can't tell the whole, the whole, every single detail, but like that's a huge jump. Yeah, um, I know people always like ask, like, oh, did you ever think that you would have so many studios? And I'm like, yes. Good <laughs> <laughs> <And> answer. <laughs> yes. I never wanted to own a single studio. No, this vision I had for, for Solid Core was this empire and building this brand. And it's like nailing the first one, right? So like making sure you get it right from the very beginning. And I don't know if you guys know the story of, of Subway. It's a little kind of like ours, but I always loved it. So the first Subway was like totally not successful. It wasn't working very well. So they were like, we should open a second because then people will think we're doing great. <laughs> And I was like, that is so brilliant to think like, you know, so I opened my second studio literally within three months. We were, we were doing really well and busy, but it was like this power of momentum and capitalizing on that and realizing there's something special here. I want to get out in the marketplace. And I just kept reinvesting the profits in the, in the company. So two to three to four to five. And yeah, we have uh, projections to be to 100 studios by the end of next year. Wow. Yeah. yeah So in in taking it from one to three to four to five mm -hmm. and then you know up over fifty, what was what's been the hardest part of that? Is it people, finances? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean everybody in here who uh, runs a business in a company knows that you've got low lows and you've got high highs. And a lot of my low lows happen sort of in the beginning. And it's frankly just because you don't really know a ton, so you go full in on something. You're like, oh, I shouldn't shouldn't have done that. So I've gone through three lawsuits, and uh, every time a year goes by, I'm like, I wasn't sued this year. Like, amazing. <laughs> you know, so that was hard right away of, like, uh, someone suing me over ownership in my company um, and being really angry and frustrated about that and realizing, like, those emotions aren't getting me anywhere and, frankly, having to settle that lawsuit. And, like, I've got so many principles, but it's like, it's not, do you want to, do you want to be right or do you want to run your business? And I'm like, I want to run my business. Um, so that was super challenging. I had to close our first studio that we ever opened because we didn't attenuate the sound appropriately and people could hear us in the morning at 5 and 6 a.m. Uh, waking them up and there'd be police at the door like multiple times in the morning. We're like, hey, Danny, how you doing? Um, <laughs> So that was also like a challenging piece to be like, we didn't get this right, it's time to close. So those were sort of the two of the, the biggest things. And then, yeah, the personnel stuff can be hard. And for anybody, you know, growing their company as rapid as, as we are, I was just mentioning this table, like you can outgrow talent sometimes and people aren't the right fit anymore. And that's tough conversation. Reorg we've had to reorg like three to four times. Um, and people always feel like I've been here the longest, therefore I should be the COO. And it's like, that doesn't the way that it works and it's not what's best for the company. Um, so I feel like we're constantly trying to set expectations in our culture while showing appreciation for our people, but also doing what's best for the company. And that's a really delicate, delicate dance to do. So I'm sure as with uh, most of the women in this room, um, and raise your hand if you feel this way, but as we've scaled our company, we've had trouble, you know, you know, if it's just me, the founder, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get your employees and, and I, with franchises, right? Like, how do you get these people to love and dedicate and put in everything that you put in? So how do you sort of motivate your sure. team to do that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I am always a big believer that leadership does start at the top. And I know that's an old adage, but um, so SolidCore is all corporately owned. And one of the first things I did once I took an investment was 
I created an employee pool. So everybody in my company has uh, what's part of a long-term investment um, program. So when the company sells, everybody gets something. And so they feel like actual ownership in it. And it's 10% of my personal equity because it was sort of thinking of like, I'm a good Democrat, like I'm a liberal, I'm really vocal about my politics. You can Google and read about my experience with Ivanka Trump, if you'd like to. Ooh, <laughs> but, I, I want you to tell some stories. Yeah, I'm, ha I'm happy to. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm so vocal about what I think is right. And then when I took this investment, I'm sitting there and thinking, gosh, when we sell this company, which we frankly hope to do in the next 24 months, the only people that are going to benefit are me and my investors, <laughs> like the top 1% of this company. And I had a real big problem with that. How can I say that my politics like are this, but the way I run my company is this. So that was a really important piece. And I think people really, you know, appreciated a leader sort of not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And we're also super transparent. And I think we're really authentic in how we lead. I've cried in front of my, you know, team in moments that I felt have been appropriate. Um, and I've let them know when things are hard. And uh, I've also, you know, shown up, I think, for them in real like leadership situations that they know that they can count on me and they know I'm always going to make the best decision for the company. So you uh, took, you ended up taking some investment mm -hmm. equity um, with Peterson Partners. Yes. What was the sort of catalyst to say, okay, now I need money. And then how did you decide to deploy the capital? Yeah. So I, w I was raised, looking to raise money in 2017. I wanted to grow faster. I get, I get bored quickly. It's like this ADD thing where I'm like, okay, I've got mastered this two by two. Let's now go three by three. And I started to reach out in the way that I sort of knew how, which was through some, um, just some men through back on my feet and like getting their contacts. And then I was like, I need to talk to some women, honestly. And I knew somebody who knew um, Julie Rice from SoulCycle. And I got a hold of, I texted her and she called me right away and she's like, I want to help you. You need to call my lawyer. He's expensive, but he's amazing. You need to meet with him, and he will help you. And I literally pick up the phone and call this guy. I'm like, hey, Stephen, it's Anne. He's like, yeah. I'm like, Julie told me to call you. And he's like, oh. So we met that day in New York. He was amazing. Connected me with seven different firms, mainly in New York. Um, one in Utah, who we ended up using, which is Peterson Partners. And we've had an amazing relationship with them. And they just were like, we want you to keep doing what you're doing. As I also mentioned this table, my, my partners are in Utah and they're Mormon. And I walk in there with a crop top, tattoos, and I'm like, I drink tequila. And <laughs> you guys need to know that because you can be who you are. But if you're not going to allow me to be me, like this isn't going to work. And we've just had this ridiculously like incredible partnership ever since. And I wanted the capital to hire talent, talent that I couldn't afford without it, and to just get more studios um, open across the country. And they were on the same page with that. What were some of the landmines you knew to look out for with taking on an investment? Because I know when our company, you know, I, I call it, uh, you're more connected to this person than your actual spouse or yeah. who you're wedded to. And had the, our, our prior investors had controlled the company, I wouldn't be here today. Um, so how, do you, how did you sort of know what to look for? Yeah, I mean, listen, character pretty, I think, shines through. I, I also talked to plenty of references, right? Like, I didn't want to just talk to people of references like when things went well. I'm like, do you have a couple of people that when things were hard and didn't go well? And I wanted to see how Peterson showed up for those situations and hear it from from the people on the receiving end, because everything's great when everything's great, right? Like, 
what's that Lizzo song? Why men great till they gotta be great, right? Like it's, it's the truth. And when everything is going awesome and our company has not had any downturn, um, they're really easy to work with. But when and if that happens, I wanna know that these guys have my back and that we're on the same page. So the best way to do that is to check references the same way that you kind of wish boyfriends would have references. Be like, I wanna know how you treated really good the girls tip. before you. <laughs> yeah. So everyone in the room here is here because of their incredible high growth. So what advice would you have to keep that growth going? Yeah, I, I, I give advice to a lot of fitness studio owners when they're like, I want to open my second studio. And they kind of get stuck with one. And they're really kind of like, I don't know how to do this beyond this because I'm so engrossed in this one brick and mortar spot. And I think the best advice is you need to embody your brand, but your brand can't embody you. Meaning if you are the reason why this is working, it's a really dangerous company to grow because you can't be everywhere. And I think as a founder, the most serious responsibility you have is to make sure what you're building works without you. And if you're not, you're not building the company, I feel like in the right way for the right reasons. If it's all about you, I think your company is gonna crash and burn and you won't be able to scale. So getting the right team and infrastructure in place to do that and working every sort of six months, depending on how fast you're growing, to reassess and say, how have I grown in this company? Am I still working on the same responsibilities as I was six months ago? Why can't I let go? What's the problem? What are the stopping gaps? And if you can't figure that piece out, your company's only gonna be so big. So I feel like, and I think we all know this, um, fitness is huge right now. People are spending more money on fitness and eating, frankly, than on handbags, which is really annoying. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I love it. But <laughs> so how do you how do you continue to set yourself apart as far as like, you know, with the soul cycles of the world yeah. or, you know, all these incredible companies? How do you continue to innovate and set yourself yeah. differently? I, for those of you who are now going to be hopefully inspired to go try solid core, you will see it's just different than... As somebody who did every workout I thought was out there, it is different than any other workout that you ever will do. You do it slowly, for one. Um, you're also in a cool environment. You've got you know, dark lighting in there, and your coach is awesome. And we teach, we actually train our coaches technically, of course, but they go through this whole inspirational training as well. So you feel super motivated in class. There's no more than 18 people in there, so you really get connected with your teammates that are also doing the same workout. And I'm sorry, everybody in here who's sitting here knows that you have to have an amazing product. If solid core didn't work and people weren't seeing results, we wouldn't sit here and have 57, maybe 58 by when today's over, I don't know. But, <laughs> but like that doesn't happen if you have a fluke product, like people stop coming and showing up. And so we just spend a lot of our, I would say like our marketing dollars, continuing to invest in our operations, the best coaches, and um, yeah, getting testimonies from our clients about how strong and amazing they feel and how their bodies have changed from incorporating solid core into their regimen. What's your favorite part of going to work every day? I really love the people I work with, and it's like such a fun group of people, like super sarcastic, which is my personality. <laughs> and like, you know, we don't agree all the time, and that's really important too, but we've got this massive, you know, respect for each other. And that's super fun for me. And I sort of love providing, I also love getting emails from clients. Like I never get sick of that, of like, here's my story, this changed my life, and here's why. It makes you feel like you're doing something really important and sort of to think why you started the company and like, wow, this stuff is actually happening, that people feel so much stronger based on this product. Um, so that doesn't get old, but yeah, it's like providing this amazing opportunity for all these folks who get to work for a company that they believe in 
we've got a lot of employees who were working, doing something else and thought, I want to get into fitness, I don't know how. And we're like, we've got a VP of marketing job. And it's like, what? Like, I can go do VP marketing for fitness? Like, anyway, it's kind of been a cool journey to be able to provide for people. Who do you turn to and who do you let your hair down with when you're having a really shitty day? It's hard to let my hair down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I got really good advice from Mary Wittenberg, who used to be the CEO of New York Roadrunners. And I was a younger sort of CEO running back on my feet. And I'm like, gosh, I just like get no appreciation at work. You know, like no one ever says thank you or like, like I'm working so hard trying to build this thing and I feel like no one even takes notice. And she's like, Anne, you gotta get that shit at home. And <laughs> I thought it was so, it's like, I'm like, she's so right, right? Like you need to have this great home life outside of your work. Like your work is never gonna love you back the way that you love it. So first off, change your expectations if that's what you're thinking. So my boyfriend, Sam, is incredible, you know, and if I've got something to talk through with him, or frustrations or anything, like I go there first. Um, like don't do that in your company. It's the worst thing you can do. Like just get it outside of the walls. Are there any women you turn to? Yeah. Like other founders? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of other, like I, sometimes I'll still reach out a little bit to some folks. Like, you know, Mary's still, um, she's not a founder of an organization, but I found her really impactful. And my mom, of course, who's not a, a founder, but she knows me really well, and I feel like she always gives me great advice. But I have not found a huge collective of women who are founders until today. Today, they're all here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm blanking on your name. Tracy and I were just talking and had a lot of things in common on you know things that are going on in our business that we're sort of you know sharing with each other. So that is something I you know look forward to continuing to get in my life and also providing advice for anybody who wants to continue to grow their company and I can share all my mistakes with you. I love sharing mistakes yeah. with other women. I know. It's the best form of therapy, I yeah. feel. <laughs> so um, it's been written about that Michelle Obama is a fan. Yeah. Can we give it up for that? Michelle Obama doing solid four. Yeah, so I'm sure you're bound by NDAs that are the strongest uh, any one of us has ever seen, but what, what advice did did she ever give you advice or what was that process like working with her yeah there's no she still comes I mean she comes to class twice a week still um, and she's great she's like been we've been out to dinner together we've played flip cup together uh, at my place which was her first time playing flip cup she did not win <laughs> and do you pinch yourself you're like oh my god I'm playing flip cup with Michelle Obama yeah, I mean, there's a little tequila, so it was a little surreal anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, she just becomes, you know, anybody who's, she doesn't view herself as that way. You know, she's as humble as you sort of would think she is. She's really got her feet on the ground. And yeah, I remember the first time she, you know, came and took class, she also had this mentality that this is Pilates, how hard could it be? So she like worked out with her trainer in the morning and then came to class and we're like in the middle and Stalacor has these sweat lanas that you, as you heard from Stacey, and it's a reformer's body or a reformer's a reformer machine, and she's standing on top, and she just like lets the carriage go, and she just is towering over me, and I'm like, you can do it. I, I don't, you know, I'm like, I didn't know what else to do, but I felt like she was gonna kill me and her assistant <laughs> for bringing her there. Um, so yeah, I still like randomly will show up, and I'm like, oh, I'm coaching today, and she's like, great. You're gonna, she, you're gonna kick her ass. Yeah, but she works really, really hard, and she's been like really lovely to get to know. So you, before you started Solid Core, you had a nonprofit mm -hmm. back on my feet. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, um, so Back on My Feet started in 2007, and um, you know, talk about humble beginnings. I was running by a homeless shelter in Philly, and uh, these group of guys started to wave at me, and I started to wave back at them. I'm from North Dakota, so if you talk to me, I'm gonna talk back to you. And we sort of developed this relationship, and I was in this place in my life where I was like, what is my purpose? Oh my God, someone tell me what it is, and I'll do it. And I was looking underneath the proverbial rocks and just trying to get more meaning in my life. And uh, so built this relationship with these guys outside the shelter. Um, my dad's also an addict, so there was sort of this weird connection that I had with these guys. And I was like, I'm gonna start a running club for the Shoma shelter. I'm like, this makes so much sense. How come no one's ever done this before? And it took a while to convince some people, the director of like, oh, this will work. And he's like, homeless people don't run. And I'm like, I well, let's ask them, and it, you know, it was just this thing, and then all of a sudden there was these nine guys who wanted to run, and I'm with these nine guys, and all this media is showing up, and it just became this big thing, and after a little while, the first few weeks of us running together three days a week, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm supposed to use running as a vehicle to make people feel really strong, change their identity, and if we can change their identity, then we can get them jobs and homes and housing, and I'm like, this makes so much sense. <laughs> and everybody else was like, what are you talking about? So I called mentors and people that were in my life who were older, trying to find someone to tell me that this was a good idea, and nobody did, right? They're like, you're being irresponsible. What do you mean you want to do this for your job? You're going to raise money. How are you going to pay yourself? And I'm like, I will figure all of that out. But when your life starts to make sense in the way that I felt it was with my dad being an addict and feeling what I felt for those guys and seeing the power of this sport and watching these guys get excited about running and who they were, I was like, the worst thing that happens is this doesn't work out. And I think we convince ourselves a lot that the worst case scenario is way like, more interminable than it is. And it's like, you don't die. We don't live in a video game. So yeah, I, like, I, just, I just went for it. And I surrounded myself with people who were smarter than I was. And we built a $6.5 million annual organization that had 50 staff when I, when I left and still has 50 staff and had 12 chapters helping thousands of people living in shelters gain a new identity and then move to employment because we're in a Marriott. Marriott has employed over a thousand of our members. Wow. Um, they've been a great employment partner to us, and it was like, it's awesome. yeah, yeah. They're they're an, um, Marriott's an amazing company. But it, again, it's sort of like here's this idea. Like I'm going to disrupt homelessness. Like wait, what? And. So it's just, no one thought it was a good idea. No one thought it would work. And then when I was like, I'm leaving this to go open a fitness studio, everybody's like, this is stupid. What do you mean you're going to open a fitness studio? Aren't you going to Africa to save all the children? I mean, you just helped all the homeless, you know? Like, so um, yeah, like everybody probably in this room, you have come up with resistance for your idea. People telling you no, don't take the risk, be responsible, make the smart choice. And that's, what not, that's like not what entrepreneurs are made of. Can you sell your energy at your locations too? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so what's next? You mentioned you want to um, sell the company in the next mm -hmm. 24 months. Do you want to stay on? Is it the goal? What's the goal? Yeah, the goal like, is, is not to stay on. Um, I think people freak out when there are ends to things, right? When something ends, it's like, oh my God, what happened? It wasn't worth it. When a relationship after four years ends, it's sort of, oh, you didn't get married or have kids, what a waste of time. And I don't really look at life that way. I think that most things should come to an end so that you can have a new beginning. And just like back on my feet, I built that organization to a level that I thought was, this was my work, 
and it's now stable and there's an amazing board, amazing staff, like I'm no longer needed. And frankly, there's someone who's way better at running this thing than I would be at this point because it's sort of needs a great operator. And Salacore is a little bit of the same right now. Like my job is so far removed from the day-to-day -day operations. And I feel like, you know, growing to 100 studios next year, um, selling the company, I'll help with the transition, and then it's time to do something else. Like, I'm a creator, I like to build, I like to try new things, and I think that's my gift to the world. So I think it would be the easier choice just to stay and keep doing this. Um, and I'm excited to find somebody who will like take as good care of it as I, as I have. And that'll also be the same process of like constantly interviewing folks who they've worked with and making sure that I'm turning this over to hands that I trust. Awesome. So on the podcast, I'd like to ask my guests two things, the same questions to every guest. So the second to last question is, what is something we'd be surprised to know about you? I share very personal things on the podcast. Um, you can share personal or not. Surprised to know about me. Um, yeah, I mentioned. Yeah, I I mentioned my my father is uh, an an addict, right? He's very okay with me talking about that. So I grew up in in North Dakota, which is probably something you guys wouldn't have guessed. And yeah, had more a little, little challenging, you know, high school upbringing. Didn't come from, um, didn't come from, obviously a lot there. Uh, but my personal like my personal life has really driven my family life. My personal life has really driven my entrepreneurship. And something else, which is not that vulnerable, but I, uh, I can walk on my hands for like 50 yards. Can you so do know, it right now? I knew she was going to ask us that. Right now? And I, <laughs> I, I, I will that. literally send video whatever, but I, I also told Rebecca, I broke my femur this summer. Um, so I don't have the, quite the Tell balance. Tell them how you broke your femur. Yeah, I, I broke my, my, my friend ran into me on a jet ski. Um, that's exactly my response. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a little bit of a, I had a compound femur fracture in the water, and uh, yeah, seven surgeries, multiple blood transfusions, 15 days in the hospital, um, so it was a little bit of an eventful but uneventful summer for me. Um, I'm like, the sunshine here is amazing, it feels so good to be outside. And on the same note as that, I was three weeks out from my injury at home and was like, I gotta get my life back. Like, I'm not gonna be this person afterward that is not gonna be stronger before the injury. I wanna be stronger after. So I made this commitment and I signed up for a marathon on March 28th, which will be like nine and a half months after my accident. And I just started to ask some people of my friends to do it with me. And as of this morning, there are like 485 people signed up wow. to run this marathon. Um, well, it's the DC Rock and Roll Marathon on March 28th. So some of you are from DC. We're trying to get to 500 by the end of the week. <clears throat> so if you're looking for like a goal and accomplishment, we've got this team called Stronger Together. And yeah, I'm just like so humbled and amazed and grateful. And it's beyond my wildest expectations to see people that I don't even know, like being like, I want to do this too. And um, join this amazing team of people who are trying to just be a little bit better than they were yesterday. Awesome. So my last question okay. for you is, any last piece of advice? These are all very accomplished women, so the advice you would not necessarily give to young up and coming, but for like women who have all clearly incredible careers. Yeah, I think when you guys are thinking about growing your company, and I think we, that also can be you know, forced upon us, if, you know, grow, grow, grow. And you really need to ask yourself what you want your life to look like because it does change when you've got one studio versus 30 versus 50 versus 100. 
and what you want your life to be. What are your actual priorities and how much you're willing to give to the business, whether you do have children at home or you want to travel other things because it's doesn't the work doesn't get any easier right as the company gets bigger so don't be forced into growth because you know there's these social pressures that are telling you if you're not growing there's something wrong like make that choice for yourself and decide what your priorities are love it thank you thanks for that thank you That was Ann Mollum. To find out more about her insanely amazing workout, you can follow Solid Core, go take a class. I'm going to be going, and I probably won't be able to walk the next day, which I'm very excited about. Thanks for listening.